Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Welcome to Save Your Sanity Podcast. I'm Dr. Roberta Shaler. Are you living with the chaos, confusion, and uncertainty that a toxic person loves to create? Is a partner, parent, ex, sibling, child, or coworker causing you to second-guess yourself? That can be crazy-making. I'm here to help you save your sanity. So let's get down to it and figure some things out now. Stay tuned. Hello, this is Dr. Roberta Shaler. So today I want to talk about isolation and such a nasty tactic of coercive control just so terribly nasty. And in the beginning, you don't think it's it's a big deal because you feel it makes you special. They want you to themselves. They want to whisk you away. They want all of your time and all of your energy, and they want to give you all of theirs, and you're enthralled. You feel really good about it. And that is of course, the love bombing phase of a relationship of this kind. And so it's important to realize that maybe things have changed. Maybe you keep hoping that the way it was in the beginning is the way it's going to stay, but it isn't probably going to do that because once you've been isolated, once you've been isolated, then you, everything seems to tip and go sideways. So tonight I want to help you see this isolation so that you can stop it, so that you can clearly see what's up with this. And if you've been enjoying um, this podcast, I invite you to become a patron at patreon.com slash save your sanity. And that's an important way that we keep the show Uh, supported financially to make sure it's always here for you. So let's just talk about some of these things now, because as I said in the beginning, it's very flattering when you meet someone and they're so immediately in love with you and they so want you all to themselves. They want to monopolize your time. They want to take you over. They, they want to get very, very, um, clingy and excited about it, show you off and profess you and and take you away and keep you all to themselves hidden away. And it feels really good. But there's a place in the relationship, if you're with a hijackle, where that whole thing starts to turn and go south. Now, you know, I created the term hijackle because I found just too many people were going to the internet and they were telling what was going on in the relationship. And then the internet behaved like a clinical mental health professional and gave a diagnosis. Now, it's not the diagnosis that's important. What's important is you you can see clearly the patterns, traits, cycles, and behaviors. So I trademarked the term hijackles so that we could just talk about people who have those patterns, traits, cycles, and behaviors, because they can be predictable, and we certainly can add them up and see the problem that they create. So that's why we use the term hijackles. And a hijackle wants you all to themselves, yes, but they want you all to themselves because they want to control you. And in that control, there are some reasons that they they want to do that. 
And because you couldn't hear me in the beginning, I'm going to tell you what those are. They want to prevent you from telling the story of what's going on. They want to just stop you from doing that. So if they can take you away and keep you quiet, that makes them happy. So that's a reason that they would isolate you, keep you away from your friends and family. They also want you to be dependent on them because then they can do all kinds of nasty things. They can withhold money. They can make you wrong. They can become physically, sexually, or verbally violent with you. Uh, All kinds of things can happen because if you're totally dependent on them, you get in that push-pull place where do I stay? Do I go? What do I do? How does this work? And it becomes terribly difficult. Another thing is they want to express their exclusivity. You know, in the beginning, it feels great to say, well, you know, she's mine or he's mine and and it feels good. And after a while, it doesn't feel so good at all. It feels like you have no life of your own. You've been taken over because they want to monopolize your skills and your resources. They want to keep them all for themselves. And that's another reason why they isolate you, so they can add your skills and resources to theirs. Of course, they only want the ones that they want, though. They certainly don't want your independence or your ideas or you talking about them. And the last thing is that they want to keep you away from help and support. They want to keep you away from people who love you, People who would notice if something was wrong, who would notice if you'd fallen quiet, who would notice if you had a mark on your body or a bruise, would notice or would be told a story. They're not going to risk that. So they're going to take you away from that. So these are some of the basic things that happen in isolation. And it's important for us to recognize those because, as I said earlier, we, we get really enthralled in the beginning and it's appropriate to become enthralled in the beginning when we're falling in love and we feel like we're being loved and we're given all this attention and so that's lovely but then we want to make sure remember those rose-colored glasses I talk about so frequently you really do have to whip them off or you're not going to see the red flags and you need to see the red flags if there are any You don't want to be hypervigilant for them, but you do want to see them when they show up. So let's talk more deeply about what's going on in this isolation. I've said so many times on the podcast that hijackles paint a public picture of perfection. And at home, they provide a private place of pain. All shiny on the outside, charming, delightful, thoughtful appearing. And that at home, they are not that person at all. They're its opposite or worse. Problem with that is you go to tell somebody outside of the home what's really going on, like I did. You know, as a, as a teenager, I definitely wanted people to know what was going on in my house. So I went to trusted advisors, you know, at the school, at the church, and said, this is happening. And what did I hear? Oh, your mother is so lovely. She raises money for hospice. She does all kinds of things. How dare you talk about your mother like that? And yet, I was a captive in my own home in the sense that I was an only child. I had two hijackal parents, and home was an awful place to be. 
So I also know because when you're raised that way, subconsciously, you will go out and attract the same thing because you're comfortably uncomfortable with it because it's so familiar. So I've had the experience of being isolated by a man too. And so I understand what I'm talking about and I understand what you're going through. Now, that was a long, 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 long time ago. And I'm happy to tell you that, you know, I left and I co-parented with him. I did all the things that I had to do, but oh boy, did I learn a lot to share with other people, which is why I specialize in helping people with the journey from recognizing to recovering and rebuilding after toxic relationships. So they paint this public picture of perfection and at home they provide a private place of pain and they want to isolate you there and they want no one to believe you when you talk about the difficulties. So they want to be between you and the rest of the world. You know, you're theirs and the rest of the world needs to be held at bay, kept away. And that becomes their mission in this isolation process. So how do they do it? Well, they gaslight you. They tell you stories that are not true. They want to define you. They want to define your reality for you. You know, if anybody ever says to you, I know you better than you know yourself, notice that that is a big red flag. You need to notice that because if that's happening, if that is happening, and someone is saying that all the time, you need to check. Is this someone I trust? I really trust? Or have I become so afraid of this person or so confused within myself or worn down or put down or torn down that I no longer trust myself? And then someone says, I know you better than you know yourself. Big red flag so important. So they want to be between you and the rest of the world. So they gaslight you. They tell you stories. They tell you people perceive you in a particular way, although no person has ever perceived you in that particular way. They'll tell you that you're crazy. They'll tell you that you're worthless. They'll tell you that nobody would put up with you. They do whatever it needs to do in order to have power over you because gaslighting is part of their manipulation. They need to manipulate the situation because they don't know how to work in an equitable, reciprocal, and mutual relationship. You know, in episode 115, the three must-haves of an adult healthy relationship, those are the three things I talk about. That it, the absolute bedrock of a healthy relationship, any healthy relationship between any two healthy adults is going to be based on equality, reciprocity and mutuality. Well, hijackles are having none of that. None of that. And you will soon begin to see the inequity, the lack of reciprocity, and the definite disinterest in mutuality. Because it's all about them.com. They don't want you to exist. They want to use you. Now, I know that sounds harsh. I mean, sometimes hijackles are only really, really evident you know, occasionally. But hijackals who are more and more like this have it in them to do it. So I really want you to understand this isolation and their gaslighting to manipulate you. 
Another reason they want to keep you from the rest of the world is they get to tell the story to the world and then they get to tell you a different story. So they're gaslighting you, but they're making it them so, you know, they'll do a smear campaign and they'll say, oh, you know, I know my partner is in terrible shape, but I've got it. I've got it. Don't you worry yourself. He or she's really sick, but I've got it. I've got it. And um, I, I'll do it. You know, it's all right. I'm married to that person. I, I will I will manage. We don't need any help. That's a tactic to get you isolated, to keep you away. And so they can lie to both sides. And, and then they can be the arbiter of what's true. They're the one who's making up the story. So they can, they can tell the story any way that they want to whomever they want. And you know very well that hijackers change the story from one day to the next. They'll simply change the story. You can tell a hijackle, you can hear a hijackle say black is white on one day. And the next day they'll say black is red. And you'll say, but you said black was white yesterday. And what will they say? You don't listen very well. What's wrong with you? Because they have to be right in the moment. So they're happy to lie to both sides and they want to be the arbiter of what is true. And it's what's true and to their advantage at the moment. And they'll change their mind on a heartbeat, in a heartbeat, if they need to change their mind in order to win in the moment. And so they want to be able to tell what and decide what stories are told. They want to put the slant on the story. They want to decide which aspects of the story are important and which aspects should be left out because they have to twist and turn things and manipulate them. So it isolates you if they tell the story to your family, for instance, and they tell a different story to you. Or they make up something to tell the people at your work party that is not true at all. And there you are left with the remnants of the story. They also like to triangulate, which means instead of talking to you about something, they will talk to somebody else about you about the something and hope it gets back to you. Very, very difficult. So they want to remove you from your support system because if you have anybody who believes you, if anybody who's on your side, they don't like that because that means that there's a chance that you might be believed and that they might be put in a bad light, exactly where they ought to be, right in the bad light, way far away from you. But here's how they do it. So in this isolating behavior, what do they do? Well, they want, they want to isolate you so they can hide abuse. You know, if they can keep you in the house, I've had a client once who thought it was so romantic that, that they planned that after they got married, they were going to move into the, in the deep woods. They were going to live there and they were going to be, you know, having this idyllic lifestyle. But the actual fact was that they moved into the deep woods and then all of a sudden the partner, the, in this case, that was the man, he got a job. He was the hijackal. He got a job and he left the woman there stranded. And of course, in the beginning, it was all very romantic, very back to the land. Isn't this exciting? We're reducing our carbon footprint. We're doing all the right things. So they started having babies. And more and more, she's left there in the middle of the deep woods with children, with no transportation. 
And then only the goods that were brought to her, the food that was brought to her, the things. And nobody was there to hear her cry when she was being abused. Nobody knew that they didn't have enough food. Horrible things were happening. Now that's extreme, but I want you to know that it happens because they isolate you. So therefore, if you were in that situation, you could have bruises, you could be hurt, you could be crying, you could be in pain, and no one would know because they had isolated you. Also, they don't like anybody to hear their threats because they don't want anyone interfering. So if they've isolated you, they can threaten you, and they will, and they do. And they'll go further than that. They'll forbid you to make phone calls. Now, of course, not all of them do this, but I want to give you the full picture. They'll forbid you to make phone calls. They'll tell you not to connect with your family. They'll say nobody can come to visit. Oh, they'll always have a reason why you'll never go to a family gathering, never go to Christmas or Hanukkah or Thanksgiving or anything. Well, of course, all hijackals have to have all the attention on them. So if you did go, they would ruin it because they would need to have all the attention. But in the case of hijackals who want to isolate you, they don't want you going anywhere where you could even look for a moment as though you were being abused. And people who know and love you would notice that, hopefully. So they isolate you. But they will go so far as to forbid you to call people. And, and they'll cast aspersions on your friends in a heartbeat. Like no friend that you have would be good enough for them to say that they were worthwhile to come for a visit, perhaps. And they'll force you to choose between people in your life and them. You know, okay, do you want your family or do you want me and the children? You know, they, they will push that, that forced choice over and over and over because now they have control over you and you know the right answer. You're always supposed to choose them. Very, very isol isolating. And then they do this really, really nasty thing, which is they blow up your phone. They survey you. They surveil you, rather. They, they're calling all the time, blowing up your phone there. Where are you? You know, you left work. It's a six-minute drive, and it's, set, it's eight minutes now. Where are you? What are you doing? You're probably having an affair. I mean, they, they, they call all the time. And they want to know where you are at all times. They'll go to extra lengths, too. I mentioned this in last week when I was talking about intimidation. They'll go to extra lengths and they'll put GPS on your phone or GPS on your car. And they will track where you are. And you'll wonder, how did they know? But that's how they know. So they're always calling. They're always surveilling you in one way or another. Because if you're not talking to them... You must be talking to somebody who they don't want you to be talking to. So the isolation is don't pick up that phone. Do not pick up that phone. And they will get very overbearing about it. They will be very threatening and sometimes physical about it. Then they do this other thing where they just drop by your work. Just drop by really to make sure you're there to see who you're talking to, who you sit by. But they need to know these things because they need to isolate you further. And they'll make you or try to make you quit a job 
in order to be isolated. Or they'll drop by and then they'll make friends with your coworkers. Then they'll make disparaging remarks about you and endeavor to get the scuttlebutt around the office about there's something terribly wrong with you or to get you fired directly. That way, if you get fired, you're at home and they have more control. Now, they'll also go to your friend's house. So they'll drop by the family's house. Nobody is safe around a hijackal because of this need to surveil, to know where you are at all times, to make sure you're telling the truth. So this is very isolating. After a while, you become embarrassed and humiliated. So you don't go places because you don't want them showing up. And then you're receding and losing parts of yourself. And it's so sad. But you don't want to risk the wrath. You don't want to risk the inquiry. You don't want to risk the blame and threatening. And so you just don't go anywhere anymore. And then you are a sitting duck for other kinds of abuse. And that is so sad. You never want to be isolated when you're around one of these difficult people. Really important to understand that. You know, if you think somebody is difficult, don't ever be in a situation where you can't get help, walk to help, keep your family around, keep your friends around. And if anybody tells you you shouldn't have them, see it again. How many red flags there are? So, so many. But see them for what they are. Now, let's talk about the financial aspect of how they isolate you. They take over the finances in the family. They, they want to know every penny that you spend, and they give you almost enough for some things. I remember working with, with a person who had two teenage children, and every, in this case, my client was a woman, and every month she was given less housekeeping money and when she complained and said there's not enough money for food, it's not enough money to take care of the children, what did she hear from the hijackal? You're not a very good money manager, are you? So they try to withhold funds from you and they try to make you wrong for not being able to manage or for asking for funds. And this is a terrible thing. In the case that I mentioned, the woman was told not only that she was a poor financial manager getting less and less money every month, she was told, if that's not enough for you, go and ask your family and friends for money to feed the children, because if you can't manage, that's your fault. That's horrible. That's terrible. But that happened. And that's just truly, truly sad. And they will make you ask your, your family for money. They will. And then they'll take the money. And it won't be for you at all. And it won't be for the family. It'll be for them. And another thing that they like to do to be isolating and scare you so that you won't go to family gatherings is that they'll show up drunk or high or ragingly angry. And you don't want the scene, so you decide not to go. So because of their unpredictable behavior, you become more isolated. And that is a really tricky thing that they do because then they say, well, it's your choice. You didn't want to go. And it becomes that horrible circular nightmare because you don't want to go because they're going to embarrass you. They're going to humiliate you. Maybe they'll, they'll, um, 
lie, do, say something that is totally erroneous. They'll make a big scene. Maybe they'll hurt something or somebody. And everybody will, will question your chosen person. And they don't want, you don't want that to happen because you know what the consequences are when you get home. And so you don't want that. Sometimes they'll do physical things. We've all had the experience, probably, if you've been with a hijackle, where you want to leave the room and they won't let you. They will stand and bar the door. Or you want to get in your car and go somewhere and they park their car behind you. Or they take your keys and they won't give it to you. This is all isolation tactics. It's nasty. It's coercive control. And you have to see them for what they are so you can stop them. And stopping them is a slow process. It's not a moment when you just tell them to stop. You know how well hijackles take that kind of talk. They don't at all. So it's a slow process of you changing and doing things a little bit differently, time over time over time. And then you become clear and you become empowered. And then you set boundaries, small ones in the beginning, and you begin to speak differently in the relationship. And then you can come to the clarity to decide what you're going to do about the relationship. But sometimes they'll take your phone. Sometimes they'll take your car. They'll do anything to isolate you and sabotage your ability to even go to work. So then you'll lose your job. And then they'll blame you for losing their job when it was them who made you do that because of their isolation, their power over you, their coercive control. And sometimes it gets so bad that they will be physically violent with you, put marks on you, and then won't let you leave the house because they don't want anyone to see what they've done. So they will threaten you and keep you in the house. So all of these things are designed to have ultimate control over you. Now, I hope you're not suffering from many of these. Maybe you're just recognizing that there are certain areas that you don't talk about anymore, things, subjects you don't touch, ways that you'd like to bring things up, but you know better and you don't. So nothing gets settled or changed. Maybe you're on that edge of it, but maybe it's creeping up into these other ways that they will isolate you and take this coercive control that they will make you do things. And you, yes, of course, we always say, you know, nobody can make you do it. Oh, but you can if you're being threatened. And so it's a slow journey. Please don't spend a moment saying, I should have done better. Just simply say, now I need to change. I need to do things differently. Because you don't set out to get into one of these relationships. That's not what you were looking for. Of course not. You were looking for love. You were looking for validation. You were looking for a partnership. You were looking for that equality, reciprocity, and mutuality that I talk about. You were looking for the five relational gifts from my book, Kaizen for Couples. That's honesty, safety, trust, respect, and reliability. You were looking for being cherished and having someone to cherish. You were willing to go the extra mile. You were willing to give the benefit of the doubt because that's what happens in healthy relationships. But then 
when you did all of that, you found yourself taken advantage of, and then maybe slowly it's moved into abuse. So if this is ringing true for any of you, I'm sorry, but know that there is a way out. I'm always here. You can always talk to me. You know, I offer a one-hour introductory session for new clients, only $97. Go to beaclient.com, and then we can talk. You can get some answers to your questions. Decide if we want to work together. Beaclient.com. Because if this is ringing true for you, it's really important for you to to, um, understand that you need to do something. Not something overt. Yes, if you're being threatened, physically threatened, sexually threatened, you need to report it because threats are assault. You need to establish that connection. You need to go to tell your friends for sure, but but do put in a police report if you're being threatened. But then when you want to change it and you know that you're ready for change, let's talk because you're not going to just walk out in all likelihood. And it's not always the wisest thing to do. Yes, if there's sexual or physical abuse, but it's not the wisest thing to do if you can possibly help it. You want to get out as the most empowered human you can, not get out while you're disempowered and then just think, all right, here I am a quivering mess on the floor and I don't have any resources and I left with almost nothing. No, you want to to get out in a well-prepared and planned way. So as I said, if there's physical or sexual abuse, absolutely don't stay there. But other than that, Let's talk because there are ways to do this so that you will end up in the best possible shape and know what to do when you're going to court, if that's the choice that you make. So I'm Dr. Roberta Shaler. I'm glad that you were with me. There are so many episodes of Save Your Sanity for you to listen to, and I hope that you will go to wherever you like to get your podcasts. If you're looking for them directly on my website, you'll find them at SaveYourSanityPodcast.com. Otherwise, you'll find everything else on my website, including my membership program, where you can get all kinds of benefits there, uh, be in a discussion groups totally off social media that are hosted on my website. So we can chat in the groups there and you, it gives you access to my once a month Ask Me Anything call where you can come on and, and we talk about what your questions are and your answers. So it's a wonderful thing for you and you'll find it on the website. So until we talk again, Take very good care of yourself because you matter. Demonstrate to yourself that you matter and others need to see that and hopefully they will recognize it too. Talk soon. Okay, hi. Um, Thanks for being here. Sorry for the false start. (laughs) I didn't notice that that we weren't, I I was on mute So thanks, Manisha. I didn't see that, Patty, but um, now it's fixed. Yeah. Is everybody saying, there we go. (laughs) All right. So now they can hear. So seven minutes of silence. (laughs) I'm sorry about that. All right. So let's see what the questions are. And you're welcome to put your questions in the chat now. How to feel safe for a young child to have to go to live with the father he is scared of? My son always trying to turn to a frog or run away or disappear. He doesn't want to go with his father. 
Oh, that's so common and it's so sad. Um, so the question is how to feel safe for a young child to go. Well, you really can't feel safe when they're going to a hijackal because the hijackal only wants the child to serve their needs and their interests. You've probably heard me say often that children, hijackals have children, in my opinion, for three reasons. One, to agree with them. Second, to serve their purposes. And third, to make them look good. The rest of the time, the children are a nuisance. Um, except they could put on a really good show in front of other humans, right? Um, so it's very important um, question that you're asking. So it, you can't make a child feel safe when they're being threatened or when they're being coerced. So your best tactic is to um, go through your attorney to do the best that you can to get the child heard, depending on the child's age. Um, also, to get as much custody as you can, to have the child as much as you can. Let me just say this, because I don't think I've said it in the chat here before, that if you leave a hijackal, as you have, and you have an, a parenting agreement, a custody agreement of how much time they spend, what the, what the custody is. Always make sure that if the other parent asks you to take the child on their weekend or their time, that you always say yes, but there's never an exchange of time. You always say yes to take the child when they can't or don't want to have them, but you never give them extra time as a result. And the reason for that is when you go back to court and, you know, you can revisit your parenting agreement every year or so if you need to, um, then you have documentation to say, well, you know, it's we have 50-50 custody, but in the last year, because my partner asked me to take the children during their time, the actual custody that I had was 70-30. I would like the order changed to read that way. So always document that kind of thing. Just wanted to get that in there. Now, for a young child, all you can do is when they come home, make sure that you are calm and still and that there is nothing that has to be done. There's nowhere to go. That little person you say they're young. Well, before the age of seven, they don't have a lot of ability in the brain for the parietal and prefrontal lobe functions. So they don't have rational linear thought. They are working from their emotions. So it's very important when they come home that they come home to quiet and still and your full attention. And if you can't give that because you're coming home from work, that you go somewhere and you sit quietly. I remember a client that I had, she was on her own with two kids and and the, the kids were not happy to be with their father. And so what she did was she got two backpacks, one for each of the kids. She put special things in there. Then at the last minute, she put food and things in there. She'd go and pick up the children. They would go to a park. They would have their their backpacks. And they had transition time that was quiet, undemanding, letting them come down, letting them release their anxiety. And then the children would start to talk. The mother would not have to ask how things were. The children would start to talk. 
You never want to interrogate kids about how life is at the other house. So they just would start to talk. And over time, the children would feel safe to talk about what happened. And then the mother got information that she needed in order to take other court actions. And that was very important. I wish I had a solid answer for you. Just make your own home as safe and anxiety-free as possible, where the children feel loved and absolutely attended to, and that there's a lot of time for the children because there's no time for the children to have their emotional needs met at the home of a hijacker. It seems anyone can tell and identify NDP lies all the time and abuse the child. Yeah. Um, this whole thing about a diagnosis, like narcissistic personality disorder, that's what MPD stands for. I mean, it really doesn't matter. The only people that are really getting diagnosed are people who uh, go to a, a psychiatric hospital or they go to a prison or there's a 7.30 evaluation required by the court, a psychological investigation for the divorce or for parenting. Um, no hijackal is happily going to go in and say, is there something wrong with me? Because they are so fragile. They live under the perception that nothing could possibly be wrong with them. They couldn't tolerate the idea of anything being wrong with them, so they're not going to get a diagnosis. So, so true. I wish we could all see these signs clearly when they're in front of us. I wish you could too. But, you know, when you're in anxiety and when you're in upset, when you're in anger arousal, when you're trying to keep your, your mouth shut and your eyes averted. It's really hard to remember all these things, but that's why I do this podcast is so that you can have these things reminding you, oh, that happens. Oh, that's what that means. Like that's too much. There's not enough of that. And you start hearing it frequently enough that you begin to see these things when they're happening rather than after they've happened. And we can do something about something if we can get in the moment with it, but not much after the fact. So um, thank you for that comment. Um, my son said he's not telling me any bad things about his father because his father would find out and be angry at him. So my son said it's my mom lied to save him, himself. Yeah, um, hijackals have a way of threatening children that they're not to tell anything. It's our little secret, but something awful will happen to you if I find out that you told. It's nasty you know, the same thing happens around sexual abuse. Well, emotional abuse runs the same way with children. And, you know, I hope you've documented that, um, JJ, because for your son to come and tell you that means his father told him that he's not supposed to tell you anything. And um, this is far too frequent. I'd, it's not, it's not uncommon at all. You know, I've, I've told the story before about having a child in my office who was there. I was talking to the mother and the child was playing, little kid, five years old or so. He was playing by the door. He had his iPad lookalike. And finally, he came up to us with a little smirk on his face. And he looked at me and he said, I've recorded every word you said. And I said, oh, show me. So he showed me and I deleted it. And then I said, who told you how to do that? And he said, my daddy told me to record everything my mother does. This stuff goes on. 
it goes on. It's really sad. It's really bad. It shouldn't be happening. But it does happen. We have to open our eyes to it and say, I got to find some way to empower myself to address these things. And I know it's difficult. So, Manisha, what about family members? I'm not sure what that pertains to. Family members who behave this way? Family members who behave this way are really good people to avoid. Really, you know, there's a reason that we go no contact with people who are emotionally abusive. It's because who's going to walk in and say, please hit me with your words? And whether they're a family member or not, it doesn't really matter. Now, I know in some families where it's sort of, all right, well, we all just accommodate each other and get along. Um, it's hard to avoid them, but sometimes you can. But sometimes for your own preservation, you have to go no contact with a relative or a parent even because they're, they're, they're nasty. They're horrible. They're, they're um, a slap in the face. They're, they're problematic, and they'll injure you emotionally, if not in other ways. You know, many times I work with people whose parents are the hijackals. And they say, but they're my parents. And then, you know, one of the things that happens in my my membership site is people will say, oh, you know, I, I got this graphic on Facebook and it really made me annoyed because it said, you know, you only get one mother, you better love her. And if you've had a hijackal mother, you may love her, but there is no love flowing between the two of you. Um, you may say that you love her because she's your mother, meaning you respect her or you wish she wish you had a love relationship with her. But once you grow up and you realize that somebody is nasty and doesn't have your well-being in mind, and that person actually gave birth to you, that's a good person to get some distance from. Many times, many times. People go no contact with their parents because that's the only safe thing to do because every time you get around them, you get caught back up into the nastiness. So yes, parents or siblings, same thing. So important to just say, no, in my world, I don't have people who behave like that. Mm -mm. And uh, you, you not only avoid them, sometimes you have to outrightly say no. That This boundary is strong and immovable, non-negotiable. And I, I won't be around people who behave like that. And as soon as they behave like that, you walk away or you refuse to go. After a while, you refuse to go. I mean, I think almost every, every occasion is ruined by a hijackal because they have to be the center of attention. You accomplish something. You have a wonderful success. They can't let you have it. They've got to snatch it away by, but what about me? And, you know, aren't you going to stay home for me? I had a hijackal uh, godfather. I was raised in part by my godparents because, of course, I had nasty parents. Um, so my godfather, on my wedding day, my godmother trimmed my dress. She was so excited. She didn't have children of her own. I was the it. I was it. And we did everything together because my mother, the hijackal, could have cared less. I mean, she she didn't want to go dress shopping. She didn't want to be part of anything because it wasn't about her. So my godmother and I did all of this. So night before the wedding, we're all excited. Everything's chosen. Everything is wonderful. The next morning, my godfather, the covert hijackal, 
He says, I'm too sick. I have to stay home and you have to stay home and look after me. And she did. These things happen. And it's important for us if they're siblings, if they are our parents, if they're any relative of ours, we need to understand that it can happen there because that will cause us undue stress over time. And yes, it's sad to have to say, I don't speak to my mother anymore or my sister or my brother or my father, but it's better than being worn down, torn down and put down every time and be afraid of that happening. So my son has stopped seeing any professional for years. It's still happening. The father fooled the police. The therapist teaches, yes, they all become flying monkeys. Flying monkeys are the people who support the hijackals, the ones who believe the hijackals. Now, it's important to remember this. Hijackals demand loyalty, but they never give it. They never are loyal to you, but they will demand that you be loyal to them. So flying monkeys are the people who are loyal to, to the hijackal, and the hijackal demands that they be on their side, and they're no friend of yours. So it's very important to understand that. And I feel so badly this story about your son, JJ, because poor little guy, I mean, he's not getting any support. He's being removed from people that need him. Have you had um, Child Protective Services involved? Do people know about this? Have you documented all this? Have you, have you talked to the authorities about this? It's really important, as you've been doing. I mean, obviously, you've, you've sought therapy for the child, um, and that's wonderful. But the father is never going to agree to that if you have 50-50 custody. So if you can bring a strong case, and sometimes people can because they've documented enough, that why you should have legal custody of the child. Not, not the physical custody. I mean, you can work that out, whether it's 50-50, 70-30, or full 100% custody. But you have to look for the legal custody because if you have legal custody of that child, that is where you can make decisions for that child about medical things and educational things and religious and spiritual things. That's where the gray area is. If you don't have full legal custody of your child, then you have to negotiate and compromise on all these things. And you know the hijackal does not want to allow that to happen. So it's very, very tricky. And so, JJ, I hope that you will you will come and talk to me for that one hour. Go to beaclient.com so we can sort a few of these things out. The reason I offer that is people sometimes just have questions for me, but also um, it's an entry point to working with me. And I work in packages of sessions. So by having this introductory offer for only $97, then um, you can have an opportunity to talk to me and solve some of these problems, even if you decide not to work with me in the packages of sessions. So I don't see any more questions coming in or comments, but I hope this has been useful. Thanks for hanging in when I was on mute. That's something I'll have to be very careful about uh, next time. But I look forward to talking with you soon and 
as as you know, subscribe, subscribe on YouTube, like my Facebook page at uh, Relationship Help Doctor, facebook.com slash Relationship Help Doctor, like that page. Or come over and like my hijackle, hijackle page. That's facebook.com slash hijackles. So it'll always tell you what the topic is. Tonight I was a little late in announcing it. But um, usually I announce that by mid-afternoon on Mondays. And if you have a suggestion for me for something you'd like me to talk about, you can put it in the comments on Facebook or YouTube and I will see it. Or you can send me an email at rs, my initials, rs at forrelationshiphelp.com. Good night, Manisha. Namaste. Peace to you and to all of you. Thanks for joining me tonight. Take good care of yourselves because you matter. Talk soon. Thank you for joining me on the Save Your Sanity podcast today. I hope you've had some new insights some ideas and strategies to help you gain clarity and confidence for moving forward toward greater emotional health and safety. You deserve that, and so do your children. If you found value here and would like to support this podcast with a dollar or five each month, please do so at patreon.com slash saveyoursanity. Learn more about how to work with me via video conference, join my optimized circles, or subscribe to this podcast on my YouTube channel at my website, transformingrelationship.com. Talk soon.